Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. Josh here, and there is a lot to get into today. Going to start off with the Chicago Bears, Pittsburgh Steelers, Monday night football game, and really some atrocities last night by the refs. They got me heated. Some missed calls and then quite a few questionable calls as well towards the end of that game that definitely seem to favor the Steelers. I will be going off on the officiating. Then we are officially halfway through the NFL season. 18 weeks this year. Or yes, 18 weeks this year and we are done with week 9. I'm going to give you my top 5 teams in the NFL through these 9 weeks. Who I think the MVP is as well halfway through. I'm going to give you my top 5 candidates. And then my midseason best. I'm going to grade uh, who I think is the top performer at each position so far in the halfway point of the NFL season. Then I'm going to talk about uh, last night's NBA action. The Lakers squeaking one out in overtime. Steph Curry's 50-point masterpiece. Uh, Nikola Jocic uh, as well in his antics. Preview a couple NBA games tonight. And then close out with some college football, college basketball. Let's get started with the Bears-Steelers Monday night football game last night. I predicted that the Bears would win this game. I said the biggest X factor is Justin Fields going against this defensive line. And early in the game, it did not look good uh, for me. It was 14-0. to zero. Chicago, and to me, Chicago could not really get anything going at all. Justin Fields sacked a few times, uh, threw an interception. Didn't look good. I thought, uh-oh. I mean, everybody on the Monday night crew picked uh, Pittsburgh. Kind of the world was backing Pittsburgh. This could have been it. But they were resilient. Uh, they drove down the field near the end of the game. I uh, winded up uh, wound up kicking a field goal to make it fourteen to three at half. Then you return from halftime. Uh, the Bears stop the Steelers on their first drive. They answer with a field goal. It's fourteen six. It's getting to a game. Then a touchdown by Pittsburgh and a missed extra point. So now it's a two score game. You know what's happening. Can Chicago come back in the fourth quarter down 14 points? A really effective quick drive by Chicago. Darnell Mooney, uh, lightning fast. He gets a 15-yard touchdown run uh, to cut it down to 20-13. to A Pittsburgh lead. Pittsburgh then drives right after that. Chris Boswell nails a 54-yard field goal. Then ensuing uh, drive, Bears... Uh, really stall, but this is a change of a momentum. They punt it, and Pittsburgh defend or Bears a uh, special team player knocks the ball out of uh, the Pittsburgh punt returner's hand, and they return it for a touchdown, twenty-five yards. So now it's twenty-three twenty, Chicago, and this is really looking good. They drive Pittsburgh gets a field goal. Now it's Chicago's turn. 
Can they score? Haven't had the lead all night, but to me, Justin Fields, at this point in the game, is playing his most effective, able to throw the ball downfield. Mix in with his legs as well to be able to run. He is looking great. And that's exactly what they do. They score in a minute time span. Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney. It's 27-26. However, there's a minute 46 left for Chicago. Can the Chicago defense stop Pittsburgh? And they cannot. And to me, a lot of this happened. Uh, quite a few things happened throughout this drive that set up Pittsburgh's 29-27 lead. Quite a few offsides penalties on Chicago uh, that uh, really helped them out. That's just really undisciplined play right there by Chicago. That's Matt Nagy, I mean, telling your guys, come on, you cannot do that. An unsportsmanlike conduct call on Cassius Marsh after he sacks, uh, does his little dance, takes a few steps over to the Pittsburgh bench and stares him down, doesn't say anything. Last time I checked, taunting, I thought words had to be involved. He just stares at them. Stares. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't trash talk. Doesn't move his hands. Doesn't gesture to the Pittsburgh sideline. None of that. Just stares them down. And they call that a 15-yard penalty on Cassius March, which helps Pittsburgh in the end because that was a huge sack there on third down. Uh, that would have effectively knocked him out of field goal range. Of course, we don't know what happens on fourth down. Actually, yeah. So that's a huge, huge penalty that Cassius Marsh takes. Uh, I know they're cracking down on the taunting rule. Uh, and, you know, you can't uh, do that or do anything but... To me, a stare down, to me that's a bit much, was a stare down unnecessary. Did Cassius Marsh have to do that? No, he didn't. But the more they reviewed it, I would have had a problem if he gestured, said some words, you know, did anything other than stare. And heck, a point could be making, he wasn't even staring. He was just looking in the general direction he wasn't staring down the punter coming down the field. Uh, didn't do anything to the ref. He wasn't taunting anything like that. It was just him looking over at the Steelers bench. So to me, that was a terrible call that the offici- uh, officials made last night. The officiating was terrible, flat out bad. But to me, that ruined the game last night. That men in prison uniforms ruined that great game and that great comeback by Chicago. 12 penalties, 115 yards for them compared to the five penalties, 30 yards. And it wasn't just that one penalty. There was another one where there would have been touchdown Chicago earlier in the game instead of settling for a field goal. That also helped turn the tide of the game. It was an illegal low block, uh, but the block happened to be outside of the tight end box so it actually it was a clean block and they still threw the flag that negated 
a Chicago touchdown. Then there were missed calls. Various times during series last night, especially one later in the game, Justin Fields took a huge hit that was roughing the passer. Obvious two-step and then hit Justin Fields after he threw it. That wasn't called last night. But what they did call was one where the defensive lineman for the Chicago Bears uh, generated some pressure and Ben Roethlisberger sort of tripped uh, after he threw the ball. And that was called roughing the passer on Chicago. So to me, there was a clear distinction. It was obvious that the calls were going in Pittsburgh's favor last night. The officiating was terrible. It's games like this. Uh, they don't happen often, but there is a few where there is a game and you're robbed by the refs. Chicago last night was robbed by the refs. I got no respect for Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin or any of them. Now, I'll say Mike Tomlin's a good coach. I'll acknowledge that. He's never had a losing season. But I'm going to go back and comment on something uh, I didn't want to dedicate a lot of time to. And that was a few weeks ago when Mike Tomlin uh, was asked about a USC vacancy coach and taking that spot, and he said no. And I was fine with the question because I look at the Steelers, I look at this team, and to me, I don't think they're a great team. I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach right now in the NFL. His resume speaks to him being a great coach, Hall of Famer. But as of recently, it's not been good. Haven't won a playoff game in five years. Dealing with an aging Ben Roethlisberger. Couldn't contain Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell and all all of the great players that they had. But now you see Antonio Brown thriving in a system with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, and Mike Tomlin's a better coach, or, or yeah, better coach than uh, Bruce Arians. Why couldn't you reel him in? Uh, there's just some of these things that I don't think Mike Tomlin has control over. Uh, that's to me why his job gets called into question. It's not his overall record; it's his recent record. And not being able to win playoff games when you're such a prestigious uh, franchise. And they won that game. The refs clearly were in favor of Pittsburgh. Clearly robbed Justin Fields and them of a great, great game. Now I really do hope that the Lions will be beating the Steelers next week. I really do. I probably won't pick that. But I will be all out. Against the Steelers the rest of the season after what I saw last night. I hope the Steelers finish 5-12. and 12. I've got no respect for them. I hope they lose both their games uh, to the Ravens. I hope they lose to the Chiefs, the Titans, uh, the Bengals, the Browns. That's what I hope for this team. I do. I've got no respect for Pittsburgh after this game. And I will say, I've been saying for the Bears to fire Coach Matt Nagy. Deservedly so, and even after last night, 
he they still should. He gained a little bit of respect uh, last night for vouching for Justin Fields and his team and for mounting a comeback. But early in that game, when you've got nothing going, nothing going for two quarters, a half of football, and it's like this constantly with Matt Nagy, you've got to go. When you cannot muster anything and your offensive performance is just that abysmal, something needs to be good to get done. He needs uh, to go. It's pathetic. He needs to leave. Uh, Chicago needs to get rid of him. Justin Fields last night proved he can be a star in this league. Made a lot of really, really good throws, great plays uh, with his legs. He was key. And uh, the other questionable call was at the end of the game, five seconds left or two seconds left, and you decide to kick a field goal with Cairo Santos, whose career long is 50 five yards and you decide to kick a 65 yarder if he had the leg talent if he did it but they kicked it he was way short that's when you just try to throw up the Hail Mary or the lateral play do something that gives you a better shot than kicking it knowing that he will not make it uh because the angle was deceiving at first. I thought it bounced off the crossbar and he was close. But taking another look, that kick was well short, not even in his wheelhouse. Matt Nagy needs to go. Poor decision after poor decision from him. That's my thoughts on last night's Monday Night Football game. Now getting into my top five teams in the NFL through... Nine weeks. Now, the past few weeks I've done this, I've had no AFC teams in my list. That changes today. It changes. There's an AFC team in my list. So let's get through this. Who I think is the fifth best team in the NFL right now through nine weeks. What I've seen in the eye test Tampa Bay Buccaneers. To me, I like what I've seen from Tom Brady. I think he's the best quarterback right now in the league. He's the front runner uh, for the MVP. He is playing out of his mind uh, in terms of a high completion percentage at 68, a QBR at 69, uh, the amount of yards he's thrown touchdowns. He is the MVP of this team. The offense is clicking with him. They have the third highest offense in terms of total yards. And also, they average 32.5 points a game. They score the most points, third most yards. Uh, This team is playing really, really good football, both offensively and defensively. Uh, Defensively, you know, they're in the top five. or top 10, my bad, uh, averaging around 335 yards a game. Best, you know, second best rush defense at around 78 yards a game. That's just great. That's carryover uh, from last year. And even though the secondary has been shaky, they're still a really solid, really strong defensive unit. That front seven uh, can create pressure, but the secondary can still play Carlton Davis. Jamel Dean and the linebackers 
to me, Seth Tempo, Devin White, and Levante David. But if I'm scared of one thing on this team, it's the offense led by Tom Brady. Only thing I need to see from them the rest of the year is the penalties, especially on the defensive side, playing more disciplined. They are too talented. They cannot get in their own way. They need to play a composed, disciplined football game. That's one thing I want to see them cut out the remainder of the season. Number four, Los Angeles Rams. Why? Well, they beat Tampa Bay earlier in the season, and to me, they're one of the best teams. Who knows what would happen if they were to play right now, but Los Angeles has that head-to-head. They are also a top-five team offensively, clocking in at number four, averaging just under 400 yards per game. Another high-scoring team at 29 points. To me, they have the second-best quarterback right now in the NFL, Matthew Stafford, who's on a tear leading the NFL in yards and uh, QBR and completion percentage. He is not completion percentage, just QBR and yards. He is playing great football right now. He has a great relationship with Cooper Cup. That's evident on the football field. Cooper Cup, to me, is the best wide receiver. So if they have one of the best quarterback wide receiver tandems in the NFL right now, this offensive line is playing strong. Sean McVay, brilliant coach as well, putting his team in position uh, to win uh, football games. They are playing really, really good. The defensive unit as well is also playing good. Better in recent weeks. They're getting uh, better. They've got two top playmakers. Aaron Donald, the best defensive player. Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback. He also traded for Von Miller. This team has just a very, very complete roster. That's why they're sitting there at four. The only thing I see about Los Angeles that they need to work on, which really they can't work on, is just staying healthy. This is a top-heavy team that's traded away depth players, draft picks, for the star players, for Jalen Ramsey, for Matthew Stafford, uh, for uh, Von Miller. Injuries, injuries, injuries. They get the injury bug. To me, this team is done. They cannot combat that. They were able to combat a big one in Cam Akers because they had Daryl Henderson to me, who's a very solid player. But if they lose the likes of a Jalen Ramsey or a Matthew Stafford who had an injury scare in this past Sunday night game, that changes the tide tremendously for the Los Angeles Rams. But that's one thing they need to just not, you know, don't hope that the injury bug does not bite them and also tune up some things on defense as well. Uh, this defensive unit is not strong as it was last year. Uh, still a really a great group, but still not the uh, high caliber uh, that it was. Then, number three, Green Bay Packers. They were just sitting at number one a week ago. They drop a couple spots, the loss to the Chiefs, but also Aaron Rodgers. Uh, was out that game, so that's why we don't fall uh, too far 
down there because with Aaron Rodgers, this team is still a really good, obviously, that loss. I took a hit, but there is some things they need to work on. They're not even a top 15 offense this year uh, in terms of yards or points. Uh, That's something that concerns me that they haven't been as potent. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is still playing poise. Really good. Him and Devontae Adams. Uh, Aaron Jones, to me, has been hit or miss. They've been incorporating more. Uh, A.J. Dillon is a running back, which I think gives them more of a north and south, just smash-mouth style of defense or running game, which I like. Uh, but to me, Aaron Jones is the star. You played him like the star. I don't want to see A.J. Dillon getting more snaps than Aaron Jones unless the matchup is right. Then you go with the Packers' defense. The one thing people have been lamenting for so long, oh, the defense isn't top 10 or top 15. That's why we can't win these big NFC Championship games. It's not good. Aaron Rodgers, oh, I need more help. Well, this year, the units stayed mostly the same. I don't know if it's the players buying in more. But the Packers have a great defensive unit. They have the fifth best unit in terms of yards allowed. Just literally like 10 yards behind the Cardinals for the fourth spot. The Green Bay Packers have a great defense. That was on display against the Chiefs this past weekend. They really... Uh, after that opening drive, or yes, by the Kansas City Chiefs where they got the touchdown, they were shut down. Uh, Barnes played great. This defense is really locked in, and it's surprising because they lost their best defensive player in Jair Alexander. But they still come together. Uh, Stokes has played good, even though he was on the IR first in. Kevin King's playing better this year. Roussel Douglas. I mean, I really like what I'm seeing from this defense. And have been only allowing 20 points per game. This is a real stingy group. To me, the one thing I see from this team is the offense. And can the defense keep it up? And then can the offense keep up with the defense? Kind of in parallel there. Because... This is an offense we're used to seeing in the top five with Aaron Rodgers, and it's nowhere close to that level right now. Can that offense inch up there while the defense remains constant? That's one thing I want to see. Number two, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, To me, they were always on the threshold the past few weeks. They were right there as like the sixth best, seventh best team. And they vaulted up this week after a terrific win against the Los Angeles Rams. Just obliterated them, especially on the defensive end. That was a masterful performance. The Tennessee Titans are playing great football. They just had their first win. No Derrick Henry was one of the best rushing attacks in the league at 138. That took a hit after this past week. I know Derrick Henry, but Ryan Tannehill is good. They are a high-scoring team, averaging 28 points a game, just outside you know, the top 10, but in the top 15 of total offense. 
This is a gr- good group. Ryan Tannehill, really good quarterback this year, uh, sitting in at second and pro football focus grade. I like what I've seen from him, his decision-making, the talent he has around him too. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and then the defensive group as well have been surprising. Now, if you were to look at their metrics again, inside the top 15, to me, they're really balanced where they're at offensively and defensively. It meets up, you know, of course, some of those numbers don't jump out at you in terms of uh, defense, but this defense is really good, much improved than last year. The additions of Danico Autry uh, and Bud Dupree have been good. That was on display against Los Angeles. Kevin Byard, AFC Defensive Player of the Month, had the pick six on Matthew Stafford. He is also really, really, really solid uh, to me in the conversation for defensive a player of the year. Number one safety for pro football focus grade as well. I mean, this team is just complete. If they can shut down Patrick Mahomes like they did in the Chiefs offense, you know, only holding them to three points for the majority of the game against the Rams in this high-powered offense, it was only nine points for a while there until the late touchdown. So this team, the Tennessee Titans, does deserve, you know, where they are at. Now, who is the number one team in the NFL right now? That is the Arizona Cardinals. They're about eight and one team. A lot of he, uh, or a lot of praise right now going their way. Deservedly so. They're winning football games. They're looking good. They have a great offense. Number five uh, right now in terms of yards per game. Kyler Murray led. They're averaging 31 points a game. Uh, clocking in there at number two. They score a ton of points. The other big thing I saw from them is this past week, they won without DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. That is huge. They've won without their coaches this year. They've won without their players this year. My hat, You have to tip my hat off. To them, because offensively, this is a tight-knit group. They have a well-balanced roster of young stars and veterans, which complement this team well. Kyler Murray, again, highest completion percentage in the league. He's throwing the ball accurately down the field, even though he has more interceptions than I would like. He is still playing good. And on defense, this is another opportunistic group, really stingy group that does not allow a ton of points. J.J. Uh, Watt hurt. That that hurts them. He is hurt. But, not to be mistaken, Chandler Jones can step up. Isaiah Simmons, their first-round pick, Zayvon Collins. It's kind of like they prepared for this. They've got their team right where they want them. They have a good stretch here of winnable games. And through their games right now, I judge them based on their record. They're 8-1. They made a splash for Zach Ertz. Uh, I like where they sit right now atop the NFL at number one. So those are my top five teams right now in the NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Los Angeles Rams, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, 
and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I'm going to give you my top five MVP candidates. We are halfway through this season, so who are they? Let's meet them. Number five, Lamar Jackson. Why? Well, he's led his team to a 6-2 and two record. This defense has been the worst defense that he's had. The running game, uh, a lot of key injuries at the beginning there. Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram left. So he's been the main rushing attack for them. Already he's rushed uh, for over 500 yards. Uh, has passed for over 2,000 yards as well. He's on pace to have his highest passing season in history to eclipse 4,000 yards. Can he keep this pace up if he can? He's definitely an MVP candidate, uh, putting up his best passing numbers of his career. Number four, Kyler Murray. has led his team to a 7-1 record. I won't give him this past win of 8-1, which is why he kind of dipped a little on my list, but Kyler Murray has been great uh, as well. Highest completion percentage in the league has thrown for over 2,000 uh, yards so far. 17 touchdowns. Again, the key there, seven interceptions. To me, that's a bit much uh, for the MVP. He had the key one there, you know, end of the Packers game, their lone loss. But other than that, he is another quarterback making plays with his legs, when needed, you know, not a ton of them, but he is still uh, doing that. And this is his best year in the NFL. I said he's going to have to have a great year three. And he has so far each year he's gotten better. And this is the best he's been. Number three, Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers didn't play this weekend uh, due to the vid, but... He is a person that affects their winning so much, as was highlighted this past week. Now, does he have the best stats this year? No, he hasn't even thrown for 2,000 yards yet. But the thing that I always love about Aaron Rodgers, it's his touchdown-interception ratio, and it's because it's so low. He's thrown 17 touchdowns to only three interceptions. He does not turn the ball over at all. He is very careful with it. Uh, To me, he's more of a leader uh, this year as well. Has a great relationship with Devontae Adams in this offense. Has led his team uh, to a 7-1 record. I won't give him a loss this weekend since he did not play. But Aaron Rodgers is playing really good football and deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Now, here's my top two. And to me, there's a decent amount of separation from three to five to one and two. To me, number two is closer to number one than two is to three and to the rest of them. To me, it's a two-horse race right now for MVP. And it's the two I thought at the beginning of the year. I had Matthew Stafford winning the MVP and Tom Brady being close right behind him. However, halfway through... That's flipped. Matthew Stafford, to me, is number two in 
the MVP rankings, at least on my rankings. Why? He just had a big loss. To me, this was his time to step up. Tom Brady had a good performance, not a great one. He threw two interceptions, a pick six. Tom Brady has a bye week. Matthew Stafford, primetime game. Put the MVP next to your name Sunday night, Matthew Stafford. Get it etched in. Be the favorite. Start running away with it. And he could not do it. If that's the last memory I have of Matthew Stafford, I cannot give him the MVP because he was awful. The poor decision in the end zone to throw the interception instead of throwing it away or taking the sack, then throwing the pick six, it was just abysmal from him. Overthrows, underthrows all night long. That's why he's at number two, even though the stats I'm about to say are really good. In his nine games... He has a great completion percentage at 68. He's thrown for the most yards so far at 2,700. He's also thrown 23 touchdowns to go with six interceptions. And he has the highest QBR in the league at 69. And the second highest passer rating of 111. Even though if we want to factor in somebody that's played every game, then he would be number one. So a high passer rating, best QBR, most yards. Uh, and so far, this is the best he's ever looked in his career. I thought coming in, I had Matthew Stafford as a top 10 quarterback, you know, just there outside the top five. But I really like Matthew Stafford. He is vaulted in this offense with Sean McVay and them. Uh, he is really... Really been great. Led his team uh, to a 7-2 and two record uh, so far. I see the offensive stats and where they are and how he's been, you know, right now with Sean McVay than where Jared Goff is a year ago, already throwing more touchdown passes than Jared Goff a year ago. That's why Matthew Stafford's number two. But number one is Tom Brady. I know Matthew Stafford has more yards and a higher QBR, but he's also in a higher passer rating. But Tom Brady's still right there. And the yards, I mean, he's played one more game than Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady can get 200 yards in his next game uh, or whenever that bye week ends, and he'll be number one. Tom Brady's sitting there at number two in terms of yards at 2,650. High completion percentage at 67. He's thrown the most touchdowns at 25 to only five interceptions. Also, the second highest QBR at 68.9, just a tick below Matthew Stafford. And no, another high completion percentage or passer rating at 108. And he is pro football focus highest grade quarterback. Tom Brady is playing like the MVP. At 44 years old, I still can't believe he is playing at this high of a level. Tom Brady teased he would be even better this year than he was last year. Well, so far, he isn't disappointing, and that is the most true statement that he has said in the past year. He, to me, is a lot better this year than he was a year ago. That is proof right there, the numbers, uh, the way he looks on the football field, the more command he has of this offense, uh, the leadership as well after a year. 
he is looking really good and is in his best form as well. So those are my top five MVP candidates, all quarterbacks. Of course, Derrick Henry, I just can't put him in there even though I'd want to, uh, but he will not be back for the rest of the regular season, so he had to be omitted. Uh, but if he was healthy, you better think I would have had him in there. So those are my top five candidates. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Tom Brady. Now I'm going to give you my midseason team. If I had to assemble my roster through nine weeks so far, who would I want? Quarterback, Tom Brady. I just outlined it for you. He is the MVP to me so far this season. As I've explained, the high quarterback rating, passer rating, the yards, the touchdown throws. What better quarterback would I want? And if I just want to go off some legacy stats, most wins of all time, a playoff win, seven Super Bowls, uh, broke uh, the all-time passing yard mark this year as well. There's no other quarterback I would want on my team than Tom Brady, and he's making that statement ever more true nine weeks through the season so far. Tom Brady is the GOAT, and I'd want him as my quarterback, and he, to me, is the best quarterback so far through nine weeks. Running back, Derrick Henry. Yes, Derrick Henry. Guess what? Didn't play this weekend, still injured, and he still has the highest rushing yard mark. Uh, He has the most yards, 937, 120, more than the next best at Jonathan Taylor. And he's played a less game. He has 10 touchdowns, which was the most until James Conner added a few this weekend. So that's tied for one. Averages the most yards per game at 117. Had the longest or had the fastest run as well as a ball carrier. Derrick Henry has the size as well, the stiff arm, the package. He is the best running back in the NFL. It's terrible that he's had to have this injury uh, suffered to him this season when he probably would have broken the record for most rushing yards in a season, uh, would have broke the record for most touches as well in rushes. That's how Derrick Henry is a workhorse to me. The best running back, I'd want him on my team. Receiving. Who would I want is my wide receiver. Now, this is tough. There has been a lot of great wide receivers, but I'm just going off of nine weeks so far this season. Not last season, not the past two years combined, just nine weeks this season. That's Cooper Cup. That is who I would want. Uh, Already has over a thousand... uh, Receiving yards this season is the only one third highest a pro football focus graded at 89. Uh, Cooper Cup does not drop the football often. Also has the highest touchdown mark for a wide receiver at 10, uh, 74 receptions. Most receptions in the league. He is the true number one wide receiver for the Rams. For a Matthew Stafford. It is showing. I really like the chemistry there between him and Matthew Stafford. But if he had Brady, I'd like to imagine that he would be even better. He is just a phenomenal player. Uh, Cooper Cup is uh, in this year. 
He is showing it. I like Cooper Cup right there at the wide receiver mark. Nobody else has a thousand yards. Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, still a ways away. Tight end. Travis Kelsey. Bit of a down year for Kelsey. Last year, you know, was close to being having the most receiving yards. You know, Albite position had 1,400 yards. Broke a record. Don't think he's breaking his own record this year. Only 628. Still uh, probably a down year for Kelsey considering that and the five touchdowns. But still, best tight end in the league. Even though he's not getting the targets he's used to seeing. The offense isn't clicking. Uh, He is still the tight end I would want. Defensive end. Now moving on to the defensive side. Who would I want? Miles Garrett. That's who I would want. Why? Most sacks so far in the league. 12. Uh, He averages that out for the next 8 games. He could be close to breaking the sack record as well. I really like how he plays. Uh, 20 uh, or 33 tackles as well. 12 tackles uh, for a loss. Miles Garrett is a force to be reckoned with, having a tremendous year uh, so far. And I really do think that he is the best defensive end in the game right now. No question about it. Now, what about defensive tackle? That I would have to go with Aaron Donald. He is, to me, the most disruptive player in the game. I just see him constantly uh, get triple teamed and double teamed. That it makes it hard for him uh, to make plays on the ball. But still, six sacks, seven tackles for loss, 37 tackles. He is a force a TB Reichen with can get into the backfield, um, stop the screens as well. Aaron Donald is legit. To me, he's the best a defensive tackle. Linebacker. This is another tough one as well. There are so many good ones. But right now, I'd have to go with Bobby Wagner, just the staple of the Seattle defense, the only Star left on the Seattle defense, still kicking it. 93 tackles so far this year. A sack, two tackles for loss. He is the key of his defense and is a reason, you know, that they're not actually dead last right now in terms of total defense. Cornerback, Jalen Ramsey. To me, he's the best cornerback in the game. Uh... Not maybe as strong as he was last year, but still can make plays. Is a more of a playmaker, actually, this year. Playing more inside than outside on sort of an island, you could say, following the top wide receiver around. But that makes him a playmaker and, to me, is involved in every tackle, every defensive play that the Rams run. Safety. To me, this is also no surprise Kevin Byard, to me, is the top safety. And there is no question about that one as well. 
is the highest uh, rated by Pro Football Focus at number one grade at 91. Also has five interceptions, a forced fumble, 40 tackles. He just has the instincts to play safety. It was evident by that pick six he had on Matthew Stafford that he is a ball hawk, and that is why the Tennessee defense is playing so much better uh, right now because of him. Now, what about my last uh, position I will have, and that is kicker. Who do I think the best kicker is? Well, that is Justin Tucker. Has he made the most field goals this year? Nope. But guess what? He has the, uh, you know, third best field goal percentage. He's only missed one this year. And guess what? He also broke the record for longest kick at 66 yards. So yeah, that's somebody I'd want on my team. So if I was assembling the dream team, that is who I would want. Tom Brady, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Kevin Byard, and Justin Tucker. Now moving on to the NBA. Yesterday I was wrong on the Nets. It was a close game there for a while, but the Bulls with such an explosive fourth quarter outscored them 42-17. to DeMar DeRozan led the team with 28 points. All five of their starters were in double digits. Both DeRozan and Zach Levine with over 20. Both played really, really good. Caruso was great defensively. And then other than Kevin Durant, no one stepped up. James Harden with 14 points looked rather pedestrian. LaMarcus Aldridge came off a bench with 19 points. But their sixth man who they were hoping uh, to score, you know, big minutes and points. Last night, Patty Mills sat, couldn't do that. Or Patty Mills couldn't do that. Five points in 21 minutes. Not a great night from him at all. The Chicago Bulls ran away with this game. Then I picked the Lakers to win. And aren't they the most scary team to watch? One in overtime, 126-123. to 123. We're in control most of the game, and the Hornets outscored them by seven in the fourth quarter to force it to go into overtime. Terry Rozier played good. Uh, Lonzo Ball, Gordon Hayward, all were great. All five starters in double digits. But the Lakers had a tremendous performance by both Anthony Davis and Carmelo Anthony were just simply fantastic. Too much for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Westbrook has to play a lot, a lot better. And from what I've seen, and as I said last year, some of their players cannot be putting up zeros. Kent Bazemore, Rajon Rondo, they have to be effective. Last night they weren't. They were able to squeak out a win against the Hornets. But that wasn't even the best thing I saw last night. That was Steph Curry's 50-point masterpiece against the Atlanta Hawks, led his team in points with 50, rebounds with 7, and 10 assists, averaged a double-double for that game, Uh, shot 13 of 13 uh, from a free throw line, 9 of 19 
from the three-point line. 14 to 28, ultra effective. Jordan Poole was also good. This was just too much. Now Trey Young, who scored 28, uh, could overcome Steph Curry's great performance. Yesterday, I said they were the best team in the NBA last night. They proved me right on that one, moving to 9-1. Now the question is, do they need Klay Thompson back? And I know that sounds like a crazy question. But with the chemistry they have, with how well this team is playing, you don't want to screw anything up. You just don't because even if he plays good, you insert him in that hurts other players on the team and there's this trickle effect. Steve Kerr is going to have to have a really fine balancing act to play. But right now, Golden State is the best team in the NBA and the most fun team to watch in the NBA as well. Another thing I saw, Nikola Jocic should be suspended after what he did yesterday. Uh, I mean, it was just a stupid play by Jokic uh, where there is a hard block on Jokic, Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris uh, kind of runs and bumps him. Uh, Jokic retaliates, uh, blindsides him, pushes him in the back, down to the ground. Really stupid play by Nikola Jokic, who's usually much better than that, more composed. He should be suspended for doing that. That's not allowed in the game of basketball. Just dumb, dumb play uh, by them, and now it's led to a Twitter uh scuffle after the game. I mean, Jokic just really, really stupid, you know, and also offered a half-hearted apology as well, uh, saying, I'm not supposed to react that way, but I need to protect myself. How about you man up, say sorry, and apologize? Uh, That didn't look good. You're the reigning MVP, and that's what you do. Uh, really, really dumb play by Jochic, and again, uh, should be suspended uh, for his foolish antics last night. But tonight, there's two marquee games: Bucks 76ers, Trailblazers Clippers. The first is the Bucks 76ers. As much as I want to play, pick the 76ers with Joel and beat out, I just can't do it. They've got nobody now to really big body Giannis. Down there, I believe. The Bucks, who are struggling so far this year at 4-6, and six, I think they get a big win tonight against Philly. Then the Trailblazers and Clippers, both of them off to so-so starts at 5-5 five and 5-4, five and five and respectively. But again, if Damian Lillard is not the leading scorer, I don't think C.J. McCollum can do it. I think Paul George, the Los Angeles Clippers, get the win tonight against the Trailblazers. Then I'm going to finish up with just some random thoughts. The Los Angeles Dodgers signed Andrew Heaney to a one-year deal. Good riddance, Andrew Heaney. Uh, the, rain, or the Yankees acquired him last season at the trade deadline by the Angels, and he did not help the Yankees one bit, did not play well. I really don't think he will play well in Los Angeles as well. Good riddance. Farewell, Heaney. Good luck to you in L.A. Then, the Florida Panthers of the NHL finally lose a game 
in regulation. They were 10-0-1. The New York Rangers beat them yesterday 4-3. They were up 4-0. And just a ferocious comeback. The Florida Panthers attempted in the third period, but ultimately fell short. I am happy that to report that the Florida Panthers have now lost a game. Then, Big Ten admitted to Jim Harbaugh that there were errors on the last or on the Michigan State Michigan game. To me, it was clear there were a lot of errors. Then, Mel Tucker called Michigan soft, their program soft. I've got a reaction to that as well. To me, this proved that, you know, it was a tough environment for Michigan to go in there and play. They were screwed by the refs. Another game I thought, like the Bears last night, officiating cost the game. That was one yesterday where officiating cost the game, where if that was a fumble six for Michigan, they probably would have won that game. And it puts a whole different perspective on the comeback as well. It's uh, a three-point game, three-point or three-possession game, not a two. So yes, the refs screwed it over. And then with Purdue ultimately beating them handily, it proved that Michigan State is a fraud. They're not a good team. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not in the six, top six tonight. I know I have them at six. I don't think they should be. Uh, I think Michigan is a better team, and they did get screwed. You put them in a neutral site game, Michigan would have easily beat Michigan State. So that begs the question, will the college playoff remain the same? Yesterday, I gave you my top six. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and Michigan State. Will the committee keep Alabama at two even though they struggled? Oregon at three, Ohio State at four even though they struggled. Keep Cincinnati still at the top five. They don't respect Cincinnati. Will they only drop Michigan State down to five and keep Cincinnati still at six? A lot of questions tonight will be answered in the second college football playoff rankings. And then, last but not least, college basketball. Yesterday I made my pick that Duke would win it all. Guess what? Two games on tonight. One of those being Kentucky-Duke. This, to me, will be one of the best games of the season. However, it's the first game, so it is entirely unpredictable what will happen, at least in this game, since these two teams are so good. But I do think Duke will get the win. The other game, the classic Kansas-Michigan State matchup. I think this is a great matchup, but I think Kansas uh, just barely ekes it out. I know Michigan State a lot of turnover. I think they're disrespected not being in the rankings. I think Kansas just edges them out. But again, anything can happen opening week of college basketball in your first games. So this is it. This has been Get Your Goat. What do you think? Who do you think are the top players, performers, teams halfway through the NFL season? I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.